welcome back. I'm Dawn Tree, and you are listening to Atypical Parenting, the podcast for people who love someone with autism. If you are a parent to an autistic child, and by child, you know that I'm talking about a child of any age because a child never ceases to be your child. And a lot of you out there like me are in family situations where our children are grown. And yet the autism is still playing a huge role in our lives. And I believe that you are listening because you want a good and healthy relationship with them. But if you're anything like me, you probably don't even know where to start or how to achieve that because it's really kind of hard and it's confusing. And there's a lot of bad information and really (laughs) terrible, terrible advice out there. As I'm walking this journey of being mom to an autistic son, I have learned so much over the years. And the one thing that I, at this point, have come to clearly understand is that I've been coming at the problem from the wrong direction. From the time my son was young, I focused on helping him to change, helping him to fit into this neurotypical world. I was essentially trying to help a paralyzed person walk unassisted. I now finally understand that autism isn't something that can be or even should be fixed. Of course, there are symptoms, right, like incapacitating anxiety or social phobias that cause a lot of distress and negative emotions like loneliness and depression. And those things should, in my opinion, be addressed, but those things are not the autism. So this episode today is aimed at helping us, you and me, and all the people who love an autistic person, figure out how to be a better supportive presence. Because honestly, at the end of the day, we are the only thing we have control over. And I really think that by understanding how an autistic brain processes the world, we as the neurotypical person can learn more effective ways to communicate. And so now I know what you're thinking because these are the things that I think, but you're thinking, okay, what about the rest of the world? Not everyone is going to accommodate them out there. I really want to encourage you, challenge you to change the way you're thinking about this. Because what I'm talking about is no less than what we do for most other disabilities. If you were walking into a store and there was a person with no arms behind you, You wouldn't not hold the door because you were worried the rest of the world was not going to hold the door for them. And it's the same for autism. We need to notice and to hold space for a person with a processing difficulty as occurs in autism. We need to be patient and kind, and it's no different from other disabilities. And honestly, at this point, it's just ridiculous that we frame it in our minds that way. This is really important. And I hope you'll pass this idea along because it's got to start somewhere. The change has got to start somewhere. So please join me in moving society inch by inch if necessary. Nobody is more equipped to do it than parents and loved ones because we are ferocious. We just have to channel our inner lion or lioness. So how can we do that? Number one, you can share or recommend this podcast. And honestly, if this podcast is not for you, if you don't like it for whatever reason, if I irritate you, which happens, believe me, it happens. Find a different podcast, find a different autism podcast, because there's a lot of great ones out there. 
and pass it along. Share it on your social media. Tell your friends and family about it. And while we're on the topic, if you do like this podcast or any other podcast, just take a minute of your time and leave a five-star review in your podcast app because that is really going to help more people find the information. The more people who can learn and understand and look at autism through this lens that we're talking about, the sooner our autistic loved one, the sooner my son will have a chance to live in a society that doesn't see him as less than. And so that the next generation of autistic humans, the people who are young children right now, won't have to live the kind of life that older autistic people have lived, where they're not accepted, where they're seen as weird, where they're put into all kinds of therapies and really like forced to change into uncomfortable ways for them so that they don't have to face the dismal statistics that this current adult generation has, like the rates of sky-high unemployment, 80-something percent, poverty, depression, suicide. Those statistics for autistic people are like none I've ever seen for any other group, and nobody deserves to be in a situation where all of those statistics are true. And so do something. Don't just sit there. You don't have to go out and start your own podcast. You don't have to, you know, walk across the country and raise awareness. All you have to do is share this or another podcast or leave a five-star review. Okay. So thank you again for being here. I'm so happy that you choose to trust me and spend your very valuable time listening to the information I put out. I do think you're going to be glad you did today, though, because this topic is going to take a little bit to understand it, so we'll need to sort of focus in on it, but it's really going to help you see the world through your autistic loved one's eyes, and in doing that, it's going to help you learn how to hold the door, say. It's really going to help you understand how to connect to them better. Today's overreaching umbrella of topic is improving communication. However, when I think about this topic, when I dug into it for the research that I did, what I really think is the root of communication difficulties between parents, loved ones, and the autistic person is that we assume something that isn't true. We assume that everyone thinks in ways that are similar to ours. But there is a major component that's often missing or underdeveloped, and that is called theory of mind. And it's super important because if we understand this, it's going to directly help us improve our relationships. When we are thinking about autism, we know that communication is a huge problem to start with and social deficits are a hallmark symptom. And it makes sense, obviously, that communication, even with people you love, can be difficult sometimes, right? And can cause a lot of stress, especially for the person with autism. And you guys know what happens when somebody is stressed, no matter who it is. Stress can come out in a lot of unhealthy ways, flipping out, yelling, screaming, kicking the walls, aggression towards the person they're talking to even, it can be really awful. 
think about the level of overwhelm that you have to be feeling to behave in such a way. If you've never heard the term theory of mind, don't worry because I hadn't either until a few years ago. But when I learned about it, I was kind of just amazed because it's kind of mind-blowing. It's something that all of us neurotypical people do without a second thought. It's an unconscious process for the most part. And yet people who are autistic have to do it intentionally. So what is it, theory of mind? Theory of mind is the ability to form an idea about what other people are thinking or feeling and or to decipher what other people's intentions are. I'm going to just say that one more time. Theory of mind is the ability to form an idea about what other people are thinking or feeling and or to decipher what other people's intentions are. The word theory and theory of mind is used because we can see things like behavior or expressions. We can hear the words that people are saying, but we can't see what's going on inside of anybody's head, right? We have to use context clues like the things I just talked about, behavior, expression, their words, the setting, the reaction of other people, etc., to infer what someone else is thinking or feeling or what their intentions might be. And so one person who's communicating with another needs to form a theory about what's going on in the other person's mind, right? Like we don't know, we just have to figure it out. It's like a puzzle. And neurotypical people, for the most part, are able to do this unconsciously. Some do it better than others, but it's not something that is a huge interference in our ability to communicate. And now I hope you're starting to understand the disconnect already. Because some of the primary things that are required to process theory of mind are things that are hallmark symptoms of autism, like being able to read facial expressions, like interpreting language that might not be direct, like um, idioms, like phrases that don't actually, the words don't mean what it says, like float your boat. When I say, ah, if this doesn't float your boat, as a neurotypical person, you probably know what it means. Not everyone, though, knows how to interpret those things. They don't make sense. And so if you have trouble reading someone's expression or understanding the words they use that aren't exactly what they mean, how would you possibly process theory of mind? These are the foundations of processing it. So if the foundation is missing, it's like trying to build a house on sand. It's like trying to put a puzzle together without the primary, maybe like without the corner pieces. How would you do it? It would be really hard. And yet we expect autistic people who are missing important foundational pieces of information to put the complex social puzzles of everyday interactions together just as quickly as those of us who are lucky enough to have been handed all the pieces. I want to tell you a quick story. And I think a lot of you are going to relate to it. And hopefully it's going to help you understand theory of mind better. There once was a young boy who was six or seven years old, and he was walking towards his mother where she was sitting on a park bench. He was full of energy and enthusiasm, and as he was rushing towards her to show her a beautiful feather he had found, he accidentally tripped over his mother's foot. He became upset and 
With tears in his eyes, he accused his mother of intentionally tripping him. He was so hurt and so angry, and no matter what his mother said, he just did not believe her. She told him it was an accident, and he simply could not understand that. His mother calmly told him that he needed to allow space between himself and other people or objects. She encouraged him to be careful where he was walking, and the boy became even more angry. And so by this time, everyone at the park was watching. The mother got exasperated and she scolded him, telling him it was his own fault and to stop crying and accept responsibility for his own actions. And then she abruptly packed up the belongings and grabbed the son by the arm and took him home. Well, that was the end of it, she thought. And once they arrived home, she busied herself with getting dinner ready. But the boy was still very upset. And he refused to talk to his mother for hours. He told his father all about it and his grandmother all about how his mother had tripped him. And nothing anyone said could comfort him. And as you might have guessed, the boy in the story is my son. And he's autistic. And I am the mother who missed an opportunity. For so many years, I told the story about how he would trip on your foot walking by and blame you for tripping him. And I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a cute little childhood tale to tell around the dinner table at dinner parties. But looking at this story now, knowing what I understand now, it breaks my heart a little bit because that little boy genuinely believed that his mother had tripped him intentionally. He wasn't able to infer or to make deductions based on previously available information like the rest of us can. That little boy lacked the ability to come to an informed conclusion about what the mother intended, what her intentions were. And instead of understanding this and walking him through it step by step, I got irritated and embarrassed and I scolded him. And I thought he was simply being bad, right? He was exhibiting bad, selfish, childish behavior. But now, knowing that he had a deficit in processing theory of mind, we can begin to understand how confusing and hurtful that incident was for him. And I can understand it, and I feel terrible. My heart hurts for that little boy in a way that I did not have compassion for him at that time. He really believed that I put my foot out to trip him. Can you imagine how confusing and hurtful that was? It makes me think about a time that I was traveling from New York to Texas. And if you are not from New York or the area here near New York, we tend to communicate in ways that are pretty direct. And I think in general, we just try to say what we mean for the most part. And so I was traveling to Texas where people are much more polite, which is a wonderful thing because New Yorkers can be rude sometimes. So I appreciated that, that there was a lot, of, lot more consideration and politeness going on. But there was a situation that happened where I was speaking to a woman and she was clearly annoyed with me. And I can't remember specifically why, but I knew she was annoyed with me. And yet she was so overly polite that it like gave me this cognitive dissonance, right? Like I knew one thing in my gut and my mind, 
but the words and the facial expressions didn't match. And that's something that neurotypical people are able to pick up on. When you are autistic, those sort of subtleties in human communications don't always register. I mean, I think as people get older, as people with autism mature, they are exposed to more communication and they generally improve those skills, but it's not a natural process like for neurotypical people. So just like my experience of cognitive dissonance, where what I knew to be true didn't match the situation, imagine how overwhelming the entire situation with this little boy must have been. Because he knew in his heart, in his mind, that his mother had put her foot out and it tripped him. And everyone was telling him, no, no, that's not what happened. I want you to think about how that one single incident affected the child's ability to trust people in his life and to realize that when a person is unable to process theory of mind, every single day potentially holds experiences like that. For a person without a deficit in theory of mind processing, the unconscious thoughts would go something like this. My mother is loving and kind. She gently takes care of me. She soothes me when I cry or I hurt myself. She brought me to the park today and she smiled at me as I played. She makes me dinner and reads me books and tucks me into bed every night. She loves me and wouldn't intentionally hurt someone she loves. And therefore, it was an accident. That process would take only a few seconds at most, and it's largely unconscious for neurotypical people. You wouldn't like walk yourself through those thoughts, but your brain would understand those things. And so by understanding this whole concept of theory of mind, we really can understand how having a deficit in processing theory of mind directly affects communication. And I know for me, it has helped me to reframe all of those miscommunications in the past and to shift communication moving forward in a way that leads to so much more connection, amazing moments in conversations where both me and my son can feel heard and understood. And wouldn't it be amazing if we could move forward avoiding misunderstandings and hurt feelings and frustrated outbursts and all of the other awful things that occur when communication goes wrong? Because as these incidents the negative interactions happen day by day. They just pile on top of each other. One after the other after the other until inevitably it destroys any relationship no matter how much you love each other. It's vital that we stop these incidents before they happen or we're never going to have a healthy relationship with the people that we love if they have autism, if they are autistic. So other than just remembering what I'm talking about today, the whole theory of mind thing, and, and not assuming that your autistic loved one is processing the world the same way that we do. One of the other things that we can do to help is to simply be clear and direct. You know, don't uh, beat around the bush, they say, right? That's an idiom, don't use idioms. Avoid sarcasm which I personally am really, really good at. And just say directly what you're thinking and feeling. Avoid small talk because that stresses most autistic people out. For neurotypical people, it provides a source of like connection in a way. It helps you kind of have time to read the person and to sort of get a feeling for 
what you want to communicate or whether you want to communicate with them. But for autistic people in general, everything is in general. Autistic people are all individuals and none of this is across the board, of course. But in general, autistic people just do not like small talk because they're not processing the world the same. So give them as many puzzle pieces as you can because interpreting indirect communication requires a well-developed theory of mind. And one last thought, we can be the best version of ourselves and they can be the best version of themselves, but any interaction is sometimes not going to work out the way you think it's going to or the way you want it to. And so when communication just goes completely off the rails, I want you to stop and take a deep breath and don't place blame. Walk away and try to think about the situation from a logical standpoint, like a puzzle that needs to be figured out. Think about where it went off the tracks. Think about what you said or did that caused confusion or cognitive dissonance or emotion to occur in that other person. Because really, it is complicated. And a lot of times, it's me, it's us, the neurotypical people who say stupid shit, who expect our loved one without any legs to walk up the stairs. And if you have to apologize, apologize. An apology, a sincere apology goes a long way to mending relationships, to covering the wounds that are caused by these kinds of miscommunications. And whatever you do, do not give up. Because working towards that deep loving relationship that we so desperately want with our children and our loved ones, and honestly, we deserve it. We deserve those relationships because no matter what the world says, we have been good parents. And because ultimately, that is exactly what they want too. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you get what I'm saying. I hope you understood all of that. It's such an important topic, understanding theory of mind. And I think if you do grasp it, it's going to really help you have better, deeper, more meaningful conversations. Now, just a really quick word. I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner. I am licensed in a couple of different states, but I am not your psychiatric nurse practitioner or your child or loved ones. So do not take what I'm saying in these podcasts as medical advice, because obviously no one should take medical advice from anyone other than their practitioner. These podcasts are simply a means of putting some information and some thought-provoking ideas out into the world so that we can change the way that society views autism. And I can't tell you again how grateful I am to have you on my team, Team Atypical. (laughs) Have a wonderful week, guys. Mm